Let's open our Bibles tonight. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. If you're here for the first time, we've been in a, a little series called In Training, where we're talking about the development of certain spiritual disciplines in our life uh, that will help us and cause us to grow up spiritually. And uh, I believe that a disciple basically is a disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've discovered there there are people, uh, you know, in a category of they're trying to do certain things when they should really be in training to do certain things. You know, I, uh, I'm never going to get on a jet when the pilot comes on and says, well, I'm going to try to get you to Salt Lake City. No, thanks. You know, I don't want to go get my hair cut and have somebody say, well, I'm going to try to cut your hair. I've never cut hair before. No, thank you. Amen. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, um, let's look at this. It says, But refuse profane and old wives' ta- fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And verse 8 says, for, godly, uh, for bodily exercise profits little, and we ought to take the little, by the way, that it does profit. But godliness is profitable unto how many things? All things. Having promise of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. Now, I want to look at that particular uh, translation in the message, if you would. Verse 7 and 8 in the message translation. Exercising thyself unto godliness. You know, there's a lot of things out there in the world about the development of your physical body. Of course, there's... Education out there that's available, and I believe that we ought to educate ourselves and do our very best to have education in colleges and so forth. But there's very, very little, even in the church world, about spiritual development. Now notice with me, it says, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Now, I want to go back to something that I saw Sunday morning during the early morning service as I was worshiping the Lord. You know, expect to hear from God even during worship. Expect to hear that still, small voice and to pick up things from the Holy Spirit during a time of worship. But I want you to notice it says, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. As we were worshiping the Lord Sunday morning, I thought of that scripture in Romans 12 where it says, we are not to be conformed to this world, right? Not conformed to this world. Now, we know that the word world there means age, and really it means the world's system. So in no way, fashion, or form are we to be conformed to the spirit of this world, how they think, how they talk. And how they walk. Okay? We are of a different country from a different land. Our citizenship is in heaven. So I know that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed or changed by the renewing of our mind by the word of the Lord. But I saw something as I was worshiping. Yeah, we're not to be conformed to this world, but also I do not desire to be conformed to the religious world. And there is a lot of religiosity in the body of Christ these days. Be not conformed to having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. 
Don't be conformed to, uh, you know, having your lips worshiping God, but your heart being far from Him. And I'll be honest with you, I see that a lot on Sunday mornings. I, I, I see a, a, a lot of people just kind of in church like this. They look like, you know, they've got that look that, you know, someone forced me to come to church. And it's sort of like they're afraid to worship God. And, and you know, that's religious. It's being religious not to lift up your voice and lift your hands in the sanctuary. Now, I understand if you haven't been around and you haven't been, you know, uh, used to uh, a church that raises their hands and worships God and so forth. I understand that, that you've got to grow into that. But the religious world has nothing to offer me. I, I refuse to be conformed to the way they think. I refuse to be conformed to the way that they talk. I refuse to be conformed to a lot of things that they teach. Religion really has nothing to do with Christianity. Religion is man's search for God. And religion not only gets into the circles of church life, but it also gets into Hindus and Muslims. A lot of those people are very religious. They're very devout, but they're on a hunt and they're on a search for God. But Christianity is about a relationship. Christianity is about having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing Him personally and having Him in your heart. So he goes on here and says, notice with me, in the message translation. He says, workout in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both for today and forever. Now, I'm interested interested in in being fit forever. How about you? I believe that we are in constant preparation for the coming of the Lord. And when the Lord returns, I don't want Him looking at me saying, well. And I don't want Him looking at me and saying, undone. I want Him looking at you and I want Him looking at me and hearing, well done. And so there is then, keep that up there if you would. There is that thought then of we are in preparation for being fit, amen, for the life which is to come. But we need to be fit for this life. This life. This life in which we now live has many challenges. This life in which we now live has multiple opportunities to be discouraged, to be depressed, to feel hopeless, and to feel despondent. And so it is our responsibility for us to be fit spiritually so that we can endure inflictions, so that we can overcome the tests when they come. And still be standing on the promises of God our Savior. Not that we never have difficult times. But in the midst of difficulty, we're giving God praise all the time. Because we know that He is on the throne. And He is forever good. And there's no weapon that has formed against us that's going to prosper. And I found good news in the Word of God. It says, hey, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
you and having God on the inside of you and developing yourself in spiritual disciplines will make you fit. Amen. It'll make you fit. Right. Amen. And so one of the spiritual disciplines that we talked about last time we were here is the discipline of prayer. What is prayer? Well, prayer is simply communicating with God. Prayer is conversing with God. It's having a conversation with your Father. It's having a hotline to heaven. It's being able to come before the throne of grace boldly because you're clothed with bright robes of righteousness and because you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you have a sense of belonging into the throne of grace to fellowship with your Father. Amen. And so what I want to do is I want to simply look at a simple truth tonight. And I want to talk about the word acts and the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. And I want to look at each particular letter and how it pertains to prayer and how it pertains to the development of this spiritual discipline called prayer or communion with God. A, first and foremost, stands for adoration or to adore. Now, to adore means to love. It means to respect Him deeply. It means to reverence Him. It is part and parcel of our responsibility and our devotion of communication in prayer to the Father. Adore. You know, this time of year, we sing that song, Oh, come, do what? Let us adore Him. I can remember as a Catholic boy singing that song, Oh, come, let us adore Him once a year. But what about the rest of the year? Is is He not worthy? Come on, somebody. Help the preacher out tonight. Is he not worthy to be adored 24-7, 365 days a year? I submit to you that he is more than worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. Oh, heart of the bay, come, let us adore him. Let us reverence him. Let us worship him. Amen. And you know what? You don't have to be saved for a long time to adore the Lord. You don't have to have all of your, your words and your these and thous. You know, it'd be better if you just were yourself. And maybe lost some of the Elizabethan English. Amen? And just say, Jesus, when you wake up in the morning, Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you. You know that prayer template that Jesus gave the disciples? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread and so on. But I believe that all prayers should start with reverence. The way that we go to the Father is we go to the Father in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And so what you can do, and this is just a suggestion because everyone has their own way of going before the throne. But what you can do is in your heart and in your mind, you can picture Calvary. And you can thank God that you can call Him Father by virtue of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can start hallowing or separating the names and start worshiping Him for who He is and what He has done in you and for you. 
but most of all for who He is. And there are several names that He is known by, and it's a good thing for you to get familiar with His names. One of His names is El Elyon. El Elyon simply means He's the Most High God. Oh, glory to God. Aren't you glad for the privilege of going to the rock that's higher than you? Aren't you... Aren't you just glad that when you don't know what to do in your mind, you don't know what to do in your soul, you've got answers at the throne of grace. He's the most high God. You are El Elyon. I love you, Father. I worship you today, my Father. I adore you because you are Jehovah Sidkenu. You are my righteousness. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus into this earth. And made him to be sin for me, that I might be made right with you. Glory to God. I worship you this morning. I worship you today because you are Jehovah Mekadesh. What does that mean? You are the Lord that sanctifies me. You are the Lord that separates me. You did know that there's a lot of contamination in the world today. You do know that there's a lot of things that want to pollute you and pull you down. But oh, thank God, He is Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord that will sanctify you and separate you and keep you, glory to God, on the right track in your life. Woo, glory. I could run the aisles right now. I don't know if some of you are ready to run, but I'm ready to run. I didn't come in here to be worked up. I was worked up long before I got here. I didn't come here to be stirred up. I was stirred up long before I got here today. Oh, glory to God. He is Jehovah Mekadesh. Then you might be going through something and tempted to be worried. How many of you, be honest, you've been tempted to worry. But oh, Father, I worship you that you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. You are my peace. And though there's a battle going on in my soul, I can rise up in your name and I can declare, peace be still. Because Jehovah Shalom is living on the inside of me. See, we're simply talking about adoring Him. Adoring Him. Oftentimes the first things that comes to people's mind is, what am I going to do about paying my bills? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? You know, It's just as easy for you to worship Jehovah Jireh as it is for you to fret and worry and bite your nails. What does Jehovah Jireh mean? Does anyone know? The Lord is what? Now he said he was our provider. Pro means the one who goes before. Amen. Provider, provision is the one who goes before and sees your need, hallelujah, long before it ever occurred to your soul. And he made a way, glory to God, where there was no way. And he will connect you to divine provision if you'll just stay faithful and worship him. That he is your provider. Anybody ever needed healing in their bodies? How about deliverance? I've needed all three. Money, healing, and deliverance. But aren't you glad that He is Jehovah Rapha? He is the Lord your healer. He is the Lord your deliverer. He is the great physician. And you know what? 
He still makes house calls. You're the temple of the living God. You are the house of God, if you will. And you can call upon Him as you adore Him and as you worship Him. Let's just spend a couple moments right now just adoring the Lord. Worship you, Lord. We adore you. We thank you that you are our peace. Thank you, Lord, that you are our provider. Thank you that you are our abundant compensation. That you are our exceeding great reward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm anxiety free. I am carefree. The Prince of Peace is living in me. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you something else about the Lord. He's not upset with you. He's on your side. And He is doing everything He can on your behalf right now for you to understand that His hand is still upon you, that He has never left you, He'll never forsake you, and His plan and His mind has not changed one bit concerning your life. You're His workmanship. Pastor Thomas, I have failed. Well, join the club. Because you have failed doesn't mean you're a failure. You see, if you have failed, determine in your heart that you are going to fail forward. What does that mean to fail forward? That means, okay, I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to repent. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus over this. And I'm not looking back and I'm not going to let the devil torment me about yesterday's experience. Today's a brand new day. Oh, come on, somebody. Today's a brand new day. It's got brand new possibilities. It's got brand new hope. This is the day the Lord has made. Yeah, that's right. That's the truth. Amen. So don't let the devil, the devil, <laughs> don't let the devil, devil beat you up over that stuff. You just rise up in Jesus' name. So number one, adore him. Acts, acts. See his confession. Confession means to, to simply admit and to acknowledge. There are things that we certainly do need to admit. And once we do admit and repent, we need to quit. You see, the word confess or confession in the Bible means basically to say the same thing. Or to say the same thing about yourself that God said about you. In other words, if God says it's sin, it's sin. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Yeah, but there's a group of people over there that say it ain't wrong. If God says it's wrong, they're wrong. You'll get more results in your life by staying on God's side. Don't follow the crowd. Follow the goodness of God. Amen? So we need then to be quick to repent. And quick to believe God. Confession. This is part of a spiritual discipline that we can develop in our life. You see, part of being pure before God is being open to Him. You know, the Bible says that we are to cleanse ourselves from all uh, filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen? And so... You don't want to, you know, go on a hunt for sin and, and, and live your life, you know, under a cloud of condemnation. Because condemnation, quite frankly, is the confidence killer. 
And condemnation comes from a, uh, from a, 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 a spirit of religion that will just want to keep you down. But if you have missed it, confess it. I got a clue for you. He already knows it. So as soon as you feel convicted, confess it. And get it out of the way. So that your prayers then will not be hindered. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart pure before the Lord. Make sure that you don't allow your conscience to become seared. Become seared. It's, it's kind of like a person that drinks hot coffee over a long period of time. You know, sometimes they can just take their cup and they can just, I mean, it's steaming hot and just, and you're going like this. Wow, we're getting to do that. It's over a protracted period of time that something's happened on the inside where they've gotten seared. Are you listening? Amen. And that happens with Christians. It's the repeated sin and refusal to acknowledge it and to confess it and to be open before the Lord. Their conscience of their inner man gets seared. In other words, they'll do the same thing. And whereas a year before it really bothered them, but now it doesn't bother them at all. And Paul warned about that. He said that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, forbidding to marry and also abstain from meats and those types of things. And so that's why it's, it's so important. That when you do miss it, don't run from God. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to run away from God as you possibly can. Well, you've already done it. You might as well just keep doing it. He is a liar. Yeah, is. Say it with me real strong. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. No, you don't run from God. You run to Him. And the neat thing about it is, is if you draw near to God, God's not going to run from you. You putrid, ugly sinner. No, God's going to run towards you. Woo, glory to God. And when you run to Him, you'll find that His arms are open. Hallelujah. And that He has restoration and He has revival for your soul. Thank you, Lord. Scripture says if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Turn with me to Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, if you would, please. Let's look at it in the New King James Version. Thank you so much. Just real simple truths tonight. But these are life-liberating truths that will set you free. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Acts. Adore. Confess. If we had time, we could get into another uh, arena or another area of confession, which is also a spiritual discipline that we really need to develop in our lives. And that is making faith's confession. Okay? And that's a whole other lesson right there. But look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse uh, 1 and 2 in the New King James Version, if you would. Thank you, Lord. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Aren't you glad? That it cannot save, nor is ear heavy. 
that it can't hear. Verse 2. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. So what's the remedy? The remedy is confess it. Repent of it and move toward God. Okay, so now T. Everyone say T. T is just something that we experienced last Thursday. It's called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is to express gratitude. Amen. Never speak to God without at least thanking Him for these three things. Number one, you're breathing. Number two, you got clothes. Number three, there's food on your table. That's something to be thankful for. Don't just think your thanks. Give your thanks. Amen? Hungarian proverb says it this way, He who doesn't appreciate the small things doesn't deserve the big things. Psalm 100 and verse 4 in the message. Let's bring that up here. The King James Version says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, be thankful to him and bless his name. Thanksgiving is a spiritual discipline. Look at this in the message translation. It says, Enter with the password. Enter with the password. And what is the password? The password is thank you. Make yourself at home. Talk in praise. Thank Him and worshiping Him. Oh, hallelujah. good friend of mine teaches an awesome, awesome series on the subject of thanksgiving. The Lord asked him one day, he says, Do you want to develop glory to God? Do you want to, do you want to be able to hear more, receive more from the Lord? And he said, Yes. He says, And develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving. So, look at this again. Enter with what? Enter with the password. So Thanksgiving will get you into certain places. Amen? Thanksgiving, even being thankful as a person, as a human being, and having an attitude of gratitude to those around you will increase favor on your life. Amen? Thanksgiving and supplication flow together. And so that's our, our next one. You have acts, adore, you have confession, you have thanksgiving, then you have supplication. And so supplication is an aspect of prayer. It's a petition. It's a request that we are making known unto God. One person said it this way, that supplication, it is the business part of prayer regarding a problem, project, or pain, or people, or situation. Supplication is something that God invites us to make. Amen. Let's look over at, uh, I think it's uh, Philippians chapter 4. And I want to look at the New Living Translation, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Adore Him. If you need to make confession, make it. Amen? Thanksgiving. And then supplication goes really closely together with that. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, the sixth and seventh verse, the New Living Translation says this, Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry about what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Well, if I'm not going to worry what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray. 
Tell God what you need and thank Him for everything He's done. Now look at verse 7. See how they go together? He said, then you will experience God's peace or shalom, which exceeds anything we can understand. Have you been there? Have you been there where the peace of God just came upon you and it was a peace that passed understanding? Anything we can understand. Now notice this. His peace then will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen. Don't worry about anything. Now look at the amplified version of verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Develop the spiritual discipline of casting your care on God. Now, we just talked a moment about confession, didn't we? Part of confession is making a faith declaration. It's agreeing with God. Develop the spiritual discipline when care and fear are knocking on the door of your soul. Develop this by declaring, Jesus is my Lord and I am carefree Because I've rolled all my care on him. God's not given me a spirit of fear. But power and love. And what? What kind of mind did God give you? A sound mind. What's a sound mind? I declare a sound mind is a mind that's free of worry. A sound mind is a mind that's free of anxiety. And that's what God's will for my life and your life is. Amen. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a calm, well-balanced mind. That's powerful. Amen. A sound mind. Oh, glory. That's why he said that I will keep you in perfect peace. The word perfect there is shalom. And the word peace is shalom. This is Isaiah 26.3. He says, I will keep you in shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. When you keep your mind done what? Stayed Stayed on me. Or when you keep your mind focused on me. Now that goes back to that thought of adoring him that he is Jehovah Shalom. Mm -hmm. Focus on this. That in Christ Jesus... You are carefree. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have a care. No. I refuse to stay awake at night and toss and turn and worry about anything. Amen. I refuse to worry. Amen. You know why I refuse to worry? Because I've been worried mm-hmm. and I've been full of peace. And I've discovered that being full of peace <laughs> is mucho better. Have you found that out? Oh, yeah. I've worried before. You've worried before. Some of your relatives are world champion warriors. And you saw it modeled from the time you were a child till the time you were a young adult. Fear-filled, worry-filled. You know, all that stuff. But thank God for the Word of God. I said, thank God for the word of God. Oh, praise God for the word of God. 
that you came into contact with the Prince of Peace and now you've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. Say it with me. I have a sound mind. My mind is sound. My mind is solid. I'm worry-free, fear-free, care-free, anxiety-free, faith-filled, joy-filled. I am free. Now, you need to talk to yourself that way. You need to discuss these things with yourself. Have a good talk. Have a good conversation with yourself. And say, you know what? You're not going to worry about that. You understand? Look at the Amplified Version. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known unto who? Unto God. So then we are to offer our requests or our supplication, how? With thanksgiving. Amen. Now I'm looking at some notes that I stole from my wife right now. <laughs> and she said in her teaching that our praise should equal our praying. Our praise should equal our praying. How many of you know that it is oftentimes a sacrifice? Because difficulties are staring you in the face. But I like what Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 in the Amplified says. It says, through him therefore let us constantly and at all times offer to God a hands in the pocket, casual well, I don't know. I don't like the song. No, offer him a sacrifice of praise. Brenda, you know, as I shared Sunday, whenever it was, Brenda was saying she was down in Southern California. They have a tendency to be a little bit more laid back there. So she was in this worship service, and of all the people, two people had their hands raised. Well, you're not going to go to hell if you don't raise your hands. And you're not going to be condemned. But I believe that God is worthy of our honor. And she said a lot of them, young folks were just sitting around with their hands in their pocket. In their designer, in their designer jeans. <laughs> I said, did you feel like punching them? And she said, yeah. <laughs> now don't take that the wrong way. Because I realize that people are on all different levels and everything. But oh, God's worthy of our honor, man. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise. And I don't buy into the holidazed, the hologlaze. I had better utterance Sunday morning than I've had in a long time. And it was a Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's a good thing, man. We're not to get hologlazed or holidazed. I know you don't like that, but I don't care. All right. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. So adore him, make confession, offer thanksgiving, make supplication. Make supplication before the Lord. How many of you know there was a time when Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel prayed and they sought the Lord? 
Um, the Ammonites and the children of Moab, I mean, they were surrounding them. It didn't look good. But God gave them a plan, and God always gives His people a plan. In Second Chronicles 20, verse 21 and 22, it says, And when they had consulted with the people, He appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, What? Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and those from Mount Seir, they were smitten. Now, why were they smitten? Because they came up against something that was much more powerful than anything that they had ever experienced before. And they didn't come up against guns and knives and tanks. The Bible says that they came up against Judah. And Judah being interpreted in the Hebrew language is praise. The tribe of Judah is the tribe of praise. So when they came up against praise, something happened. The power of God came upon the scene. And the power of God delivered the children of Israel. But it smote the Ammonites, the Moabites, and those from Mount Seir. Come on, somebody. Woo, glory to God. I'm telling you, praise is a powerful weapon against the onslaughts of the enemy. I don't know what ite you're facing. I don't know what Ammonite you're facing. But I'll tell you what. If you live your life in the land of Judah and worship God and praise Him in your midnight hour, when they come up against praise, they'll come against you one way, but they'll flee before you seven ways. I double dog dare him to come up against Judah. So let these praises be in your home. Because oftentimes, really, outside of these walls is where the battle is. Let Judah be heard in your automobile. Let praise be heard from the rising of the sun. Till the going down of the same. The name of the Lord, come on, is to be praised. I believe this. You know, Lynette Hagen was here not too long ago and Pastor Ken. And, and Lynette says that she goes to sleep with her iPod on pray, uh, playing praise music. Just having a complete atmosphere in their home charged with worship. Isn't that awesome? Amen. That's a whole lot better than charging your home with R-rated movies. Or charging your room with pornography. Charge your home, your house, your whole life with Judah. With praise. And guys, there's so much good praise out there. There's so much good worship out there. You know, all of us are called to worship. Not all of us are called to record, thank God. But we're all worshipers. And you know what? You might need some help. You need, and, and music is a, is a, it's a vehicle. Music's a bus, if you will. That all you got to do 
is just latch on and get on with someone that really knows how to worship God. Someone that really has the anointing. Are you listening to me? Because that anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. And so, you know, whatever, you know, does it for you. You know, for some it might be Hillsong. For others it might be Fred Hammond. You know, whatever. But have an atmosphere around you of the Word and of the Spirit. And get on that vehicle. And enter His gates with thanksgiving. And into His courts with praise. See, son, I don't really know how to describe it. All I know is that the anointing is tangible. And that, that anointing that is in good messages and that anointing that is in good music, that anointing will get in you. Amen. Now, I know the anointing's already in you, but how many of you know that anointing can be stirred up? Yes. And how many of you know that that anointing can increase? Yes. Yes. To where this anointing that is in you will come all around you and just fill the very place where you are. And so let's not be religious and let's not think that, you know, the church is the only place where the anointing can be. The anointing can be in your bathtub. The anointing can be in your automobile. So if I was a doctor tonight and I was writing a prescription out for you, I would advise every one of you, including myself, to develop spiritually by continuously worshiping, praising, and thanking Him and making sure that you have several avenues through which the Word and the Spirit can flow through and get into you. And then in closing, in verse 25, they came up against Judah. They came up against praise. And not only were they dead and smitten, but notice in verse 25... It says, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away, what? Spoil. What? The spoil. There was some spoil there. Yes, there was. Notice what they found. They found among them in abundance, what? Both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. It was so much. You know, that sounds like the God that is more than enough. He's the God of mucho, mucho mas. I'm getting ready, Jessica. He's the God of more than enough. He is El Shaddai. And so here's the truth that I want to close with. Prayer plus praise equals more than you can carry away. Let's all stand up and thank Him for His Word tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you tonight.